Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran. Well, this morning, Alan, the regional group of which I'm a member of, my technical group, are presenting a motion on long COVID uh, to the floor of the doll, and that will take place at about 10 o'clock this morning. And myself, along with my members, will make a presentation to government on why we believe uh, they need to very much take long COVID very serious and implement what the EU now recommends as basically a workplace incident. Yeah, we've discussed this with Dr. Bale on many occasions and other health specialists as well. But first of all, long COVID, it's an umbrella name. Apparently, it's given to a broad range of some 200 post-COVID symptoms, which include conditions such as chronic fatigue, etc. What have you discovered on your research on this? Well, first of all, the EU strategic framework on health and safety at work are recommending that it is now taken as an occupational disease and that we support workers. In Ireland, we currently have in excess of 21,000 people that are unable to work because of long COVID and symptoms. And you're right, the symptoms range and they include a very broad range of symptoms, everything from sexual dysfunction to tinnitus. And more than two in three people report symptoms of fatigue, stomach, upset, heart palpitations, muscle pain, among many other symptoms. You know, but we have now 21,000 people who are unable to work because of a combination of these symptoms. So we believe it's time that government, it's timely now. We need to, you know, government committed back in September of 2021 to have them fully staffed clinics. We haven't seen that and we're calling on the government to fully staff post-COVID and long COVID clinics as they committed to on foot of a HSE plan on septem- in September 2021. And, and they must be updated to reflect the changing skill set that's required to deal with a list much longer than some of the symptoms of which I've just outlined. And as, as so much so that we need to see direct access to neurological clinicians. Right. Uh, look, you also, I believe, are calling for to be recognised as an occupational illness and a comprehensive special leave with pay scheme for frontline healthcare workers. Can you go into that aspect of it, please? What is well, this? Well, that is actually, that recommendation is not coming from us. It's coming from the European Commission and the Director General of Employment, Social Affairs and Inclusion, of which we, we have correspondence from. That is an EU recommendation. It is up to each member state as to whether or not uh, they take exclusive competence of that. But I believe that this is something that the Irish government needs to take very seriously. 21,000 people in this position are suffering badly with not just not being able to work in the symptoms, but the increased cost of living. And this has not been recognised as something that is a disability currently. And where is that figure of 9,000, the estimated figure for County Wexford coming from? They're compiled from both the studies that were carried out in Ireland by the universities as well as a Netherlands study that was, it was, I'm not sure that they know the exact figures, but that is the estimation. They they say that there were over 300,000 cases uh, since COVID was first diagnosed. There were over 300,000 sufferers and that's the remaining number we have in Ireland of 21,000 people who are no longer in work because of long COVID symptoms. So the figure comes from those studies combined. 
Let's move on to other issues now as well. You're well aware it's in your own constituency. It's down around the Ballyclan, Folks Mills, Clongeen area. Uh, Oireachtas members came in for criticism for their non-attendance. I'd like to give you a chance to respond to that. But you have been there and you've been there kind of non-stop over the last number of hours. What are we seeing on the ground? And first of all, do you want to respond to the criticism of Oireachtas members for not being there earlier? Well, look, uh, in my case, I will just tell you, I was away for a few days. I had, because we were in recess in the doll, I had taken the opportunity to visit my sister. Uh, the reality is that this is just, it is an absolute Armageddon. I spent most of Monday and Tuesday uh, in Clongeen, uh, Folks Mills area, Ballinairy. I still have to see some people because they just weren't available or they were busy. But there's in excess of 40 homes that have been affected with partial roof damage, some very serious structural damage, and in some cases, pure and utter decimation. Uh, I think the criticism is correct. Um, I'm not saying that we could have change the situation but I do believe that the people's call for support and not having received a visit from many of the political representatives in a timely fashion including myself is warranted Um, I think what's more uh, affecting them really is the fact that government haven't come out with a response like they did for Bridgetown like they did for New Ross and I think the reality is that they are in a state where they don't have confidence in their elected representatives that they're capable of providing support at a time when it's most and most badly needed. I think that's the issue, Alan. These people, I'd be very concerned about the mental health of several of the people that I visited based on their losses. Um, Regardless of insurance, having it, not having it, were you covered, will you be covered, It's the fact that this is their life's worth. It's their homes. It's their businesses in some cases. Yes, we can be grateful that nobody was killed, but I think the reality is that this is a three-minute occurrence that travelled about 10 kilometres and left a path of destruction that I have never seen other than in the movies. And that has not been recognised on a national level. I've written to the Minister. I'm presenting... um, promised legislation questions to the Tornishta on Thursday based on this episode. I do believe that there has been lack of recognition and very much that further support is required. Wexford County Council have been very good. The workers on the ground have been outstanding, but there is a huge and a vast amount of work to be carried out. I do not understand how something of this level has not seen the army brought in or supports of that type where you can go and look you've seen it Alan you've been there you've seen the devastation that's been caused you know and we have a huge number of homes without internet who need it for business and as well as other you know we've come accustomed to have an internet now but all of those things are going to take a huge amount of time and I do believe that government could have had a much speedier response even those who represented government uh, you know we we had a senior minister to New Ross when we had flooding and I'm might as well tell you, not one claim was made from the flooding in New Ross to the government. Everybody was catered for under their own insurance. I'm not so sure that this is going to be the case and the damage is a hundred times worse and we have had no response from government. 
Before we conclude our conversation with you this morning, we had Gerald Fleming in studio with us yesterday. We looked at the whole area of how we can tackle this climate change crisis that we're currently in. We talked about electric vehicles, but just to get the ball rolling on another issue that I'm going to follow up on, your views on the amount of charging points we have in the county. Any idea how many we have? Because if we're to switch to electric vehicles to try and tackle as one part of the climate change battle, what's the position with the charging points in County Wexford, to the best of your knowledge? Very few. I know since 2019, we've doubled what we had, which was very insignificant. In 2019, we had 26 electric chargers. We now have about 56. So I think the reality is that we're nowhere near the possibility of meeting targets that are set down uh, and envisaged by government, which is, as I said to you, it's a million vehicles on the road by 2025. Uh, It's somewhere in the region of they want 51% of vehicles by 2030 to be electric. We are nowhere near getting to that figure. People have actually decided it isn't worth the hassle. It's one thing having to charge a vehicle and wait for 30 minutes. It's another having to wait for somebody else while you're in the queue behind them. It all takes too much time. People are nervous. The cost of living has gone up. These cars aren't just affordable. But I mean, the electric charging point would certainly help to convince people. But because they're not there, Alan, and there's no great um, uh, plan that there's no plan that I can see that's been followed that will see that we will have enough electric charging points for people to in- increase the purchase. We have 21 garages in Wexford, all of whom supply electric cars. They are telling me that people are very concerned about the fact that we don't have the charging points. So I will be bringing it up. I'll be bringing it up to the Public Accounts Committee in relation to the responsibility resting with the National Roads Authority and TII and the Department of Climate and Environment. Uh, But at this stage, I'm not convinced that there's any serious plan to make this happen. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.